0: It occurred to me well, it didn't just occur to me I've known this for a long time that I am a whole lot different now than I was when I was younger. Uh, things that were important to me then aren't as important to me now, and, and I've changed. For example, when I was a teenager, I hated math. Anybody with me? Uh, I hated math. and in fact, I'm not going to say I hated math. I hated algebra. I loved geometry, but I hated algebra, because you're either an algebra person or a geometry person, right? How many many people are the algebra people here, and how many are the geometry people here? All right, yeah, there's there's a few of us, we're a special breed, but uh, God loves us. All right, so, how many of you would say, any sort of math whatsoever hurts my brain and I don't want any part of it? All right, quite a few there as well. So what I hated in particular, probably even before I became uh, a teenager, was those word problems, right? You know what I'm talking about? you're, You're moving right along on your exam and you have all of the multiple choice questions and all of a sudden your teacher throws in the word problem in the middle of it and misses everything up. Those were the worst You know, you know those word problems. Ben has 25 pizzas and he eats 20 of them. What does he have now? He has diabetes. That's what he has, (laughs) right? So anything that had to do with one of those uh, word problems or a logic problem would immediately bore me to death, but not today. And in fact, I'm kind of Mr. Logic now. In Carol and I's relationship, I'm Mr. Spock there, I'm, I'm the logical ones, and say, "Well, that doesn't—that's not—that doesn't make sense. Why would we do that? I don't get it." And uh, <clears throat> I've gotten so old that I've actually purchased a magazine with logic puzzles in it. <laughs> that's old, right? Things that I would have cared less about when I was a teenager now intrigue me. In fact, I, I found out this week they're about 450 years before. Christ walked the earth. There was a philosopher by the name of Zeno. And he was best known for mathematical paradoxes. And I know exactly what you're thinking. Mathematical paradoxes? Yes! Finally! Tell us more, Pastor Brian. Tell us more. I will. See, one of those paradoxes went something like this. Let's say... Let's say there was a, a turtle here in church, and I invited him up to the platform uh, to preach, but I told him he can only come halfway, and then he has to pause before he proceeds again. So let's say that turtle is there by those back doors, and he's making his way forward, and he has to pause halfway, so he's right there by Kenny and, and Sandy. There she's, he's right about there and he has to pause, and then he can proceed again, and so then he he makes it up by Randy or Ian here, and then he has to pause again, and then he has to come halfway, so maybe he's right over here, and then halfway, and then halfway, and then halfway. If he can only go halfway, the paradox says that he will never reach his destination. He'll get infinitely close, to the platform, but he will never, he will never quite reach it, for he always has half of the distance yet to, fu- to travel before he arrives. Now, we recognize that as a foolish argument, because turtles can't preach, of course, but also... We know that at some point, this turtle would come so close to the platform that we can't tell whether he's made it or not. There's no way for us to know whether he has reached his destination. And so the paradox sort of explains something that you and I know that we have been destined for as well. We have been destined for something greater than this world. We have been destined for, we have been created for heaven, not earth. And in heaven, we shall be glorified. We know the day will come when the image of God will be completely restored in us, but that day isn't today, right? And I pray for you that it's not tomorrow either because... We know that in order to be completely glorified, you have to do that in heaven. And to be in heaven, you have to be dead, right? We know that we get closer and closer and closer to the day that we are going to be made perfect. When, when we're released from our human imperfections and remade into the image of God. But we also know that in this life, we're not going to reach... That goal. Now, we may get infinitely close, but the goal of glorification is reserved for the life that's to come, not for the life that's here. Now, I mention this because we as Nazarenes believe in a doctrine that a lot of people confuse with glorification. Last week, we read this verse, 2 Thessalonians chapter. verse 13, it says this. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in truth. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is that, that graceful work of the Spirit that restores our fallen nature with the image of God that has been created for us and in us. It isn't glorification. That's reserved for for later. But it is step two in our journey with Jesus. Um, And this sanctifying work is really the cornerstone of why we are here. It's why we're part of the church of the Nazarene. It's who we are. Remember last week we said that the Holy Spirit was whom Jesus sent to work in and through us while we're here on earth. And part of what the Holy Spirit does is set us apart. He sanctifies us. In our denomination, we call that entire sanctification. And so you might think, well, why in the world did I mention a turtle or a glorification before before discussing sanctification? Well, it's because many people confuse those two. They confuse entire sanctification with glorification. So this is in your notes if you want to write this down. Entire sanctification is not the final goal, but it's part of the process by which we reach that goal. And if we allow this ongoing work of grace in our lives, uh, we can point to we can point where it looks like we've arrived, where nobody can tell the difference. I mean, it looks like we've arrived, but we're still on the journey. There's still more for us. Many people hear that Nazarenes believe in this, this doctrine, its this entire sanctification, and they confuse that with glorification because they believe that we can reach this state of perfection here on earth if you want to write this down, that the, the sanctified person is not being made perfect or is not being made perfect. He's being made perfect. There's a difference there. Uh, it's, it's not our final destination here on, on earth. It's a perfecting process for us absolute perfection is reserved for God and those who have been released from from these mortal bodies and are now with God in heaven. Our doctrine about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is not about reaching our final goal or the turtle reaching the platform or us reaching a glorified state in, in heaven. It's about the purification of our heart It's about what God does through grace after we're saved. And so you can write this down. Glorification is reserved for the saints who have died. Sanctification is for believers who are still alive. It's for us. And we might say it this way. Entire sanctification is not so much of a state that we obtain, but it's a process in which we participate in. Entire sanctification is really kind of about that turtle even being invited up to the platform to preach. He's responding to the invitation, making his way towards his final goal. Even if the turtle never makes the goal in his lifetime, we see him responding to that invitation and moving in the direction that he's supposed to go. See, Paul states this goal in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 10. Let me read this to you. Paul says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to obtain the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this, Or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. See, the goal here, according to Paul, seems to be twofold. Uh, The goal here is to become more Christ-like and to obtain the resurrection of the dead. See, Paul uh, speaks about pressing on towards the, the goal. The goal is to become more like Jesus on earth so that we can become more like Jesus in death and be resurrected into a state of a glorified body. Becoming entirely sanctified happens in this life so that we can be entirely glorified in our next life. Simply put, entire sanctification is the uh, continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that that is 100% obtainable while we walk this earth. So what is this sanctification? What what is this thing that God offers us? And may I add that he fully expects us to obtain? What is this sanctification? So let's just pretend that we had a new friend come into our church and he doesn't know who Jesus is yet. We're we're just going to think of a name for him. We're going to call him Joe. And and Joe has been invited uh, to PFN by one of you. Good job. You got Joe to come to church, right? And he shows up one week, and he is completely captivated by the charismatic and well-spoken preacher that day. <laughs> Cheryl's preaching that day. <laughs> right? It could happen, right? So Joe is felt, feels so welcomed by this church. He feels so welcomed by this convert. Uh, um, congregation he feels at home here and he decides he's going to come back he's going to he's going to come back to next week to pfn and eventually he discovers who jesus is and he makes a decision to become a christian and he makes a decision that he's going to give his life over to christ and follow jesus now let me ask you is jesus done with joe no of course we know that Jesus isn't done with Joe. The, the better question is, what we hope is that Joe isn't done with Jesus and that there's more to come, right? We believe so much in the work of what Jesus does with us after we become Christians. We believe in that so much that we have a staff, we have a, we have a pastor of discipleship, but that's her that's focus, and when we have this staff that helps everybody here we have these opportunities to to grow in in grace to grow in our relationship with Jesus we believe in that so much that we have hired people for that and now Joe has been saved and Joe's attending church on a regular basis now and he starts attending a Sunday school group or maybe one of the small groups. And he's realizing that there's more to this relationship with Jesus than he first knew about. He felt so great when he was saved and, and that was wonderful. And that moment, that salvation moment was so great for him when he accepted his forgiveness and he knew that Jesus had pardoned him for his sins. And Joe now is seeing parts of his life that he's given over to Christ, and perhaps maybe it's an area of habits, or or maybe it was an area of hurt, and a little bit here and a little bit there, and all these things are being turned over to Jesus, and his life is starting to change. And the more that Joe wants Jesus, though, the harder his former life seems to fight. And Joe has started to get a little bit tired of the sin cycle. And he finds himself feeling so bad because he falls into that sin trap. And the old habits, even though he's turned them over to to Jesus, keep rearing their ugly head, and Joe starts doing something he knows that he shouldn't do, and then he feels bad about it, and he repents, and he says he's sorry, and... Then before long, something else happens. And Joe feels bad about that. And other times, Joe even finds himself struggling with new things. And and even though Joe knows that he's saved, he knows that he's saved. He thinks there's got to be more. There's got to be more here. If only God would free him from that pull of sin on his life. If only Joe could live a life completely set apart from worldly desires. See, Joe knows that there is this war that is raging inside of him. Joe knows that the old self has died and it's been replaced with a new creation. So he asked himself and he asked God, then why am I struggling? Why? Why can't I just have the life that I know I should have? Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Or why don't I do the things that I know I should do? What I just described could have been any number of us in this room. Joe sometimes feels guilty when he comes to church or he reads the Bible and he reads things like, Be holy because I am holy. Or be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. And he thinks to himself, how? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I'm trying my best, but I feel like I always fall a little bit short. And maybe you're like Joe as well. You and Joe have a chance this morning. You, you can leave today. You can give up and say, well, I, I guess there wasn't anything that Jesus can do. I guess I'm just always going to live uh, this way. Or... Or you can ask God to help you in the next step on your journey with Jesus. See, Jesus offered you salvation, and now it's the Holy Spirit's chance to start working on you. This step is the step of entire sanctification that we talk about here in the Church of the Nazarene and other holiness denominations like uh, the Salvation Army or... Free Methodist, the Wesleyan Church, among others. All holiness churches. So you can write this down. The first step is salvation. The second step is sanctification. But both happen in an instant. But both are being worked out over time. Let me explain it like, like this. I was given this analogy a long time ago. How many of you in school, maybe when you were a little kid, maybe you did this in kid' zone? Maybe you did it uh, uh, in a VBS, you took that little seed and you put it in some wet paper towels and, and planted that seed like on the, the outside of the plastic cup so you could see what's going on. Anybody else do that? You planted that seed. Let, let me ask you. Did the seed sprout the moment? that you put it in the soil? No. Of course it, it didn't sprout immediately when you put it in that wet paper towel and, and planted it, but something is happening to the seed even though we can't see it happen, right? Um, uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that are happening to the seed. The, the soil and the water are continually starting to feed the seed. The, the hard outer shell is becoming softer. See, we can think of planting that seed as, maybe you remember this term, our provenient grace moment in our life. Provenient grace just means that time where, excuse me, where God is working on our life before we even know who he is. One moment that seed was dormant, it wasn't capable of anything. And the next moment it got planted. Planted. Something on the outside of that seed started working on the inside of that seed and we started to see different things happen. That's pervenient grace. See, in our life, God starts working on us before we ever know who he is so that we can recognize him and his goodness. Long before we ever call upon Jesus as our savior, God is still working on us. Sometimes we pray for somebody, don't you? You pray for somebody, you witness to them and you watch them. Basically you give them water and fertilizer and plenty of sunlight and and hope that someday, someday they're gonna confess their sins and be saved. And we watch and we pray and nothing seems to be happening. But the seed's still planted. And yet when that seed is ripe enough, When enough enough sun and nutrients have reached that seed, suddenly it starts to sprout roots. It's an instantaneous moment. But it's a moment because of all of the gradual work that has gone on before that moment. So one moment, Joe's lost. The next moment, he's found. One moment you were unsaved. The next moment, you were added to the family of God. One moment, your life was all yours and you did whatever you wanted with it, and then the next moment, you gave it to Jesus. One moment, you were unforgiven, but the next moment, you were forgiven. That's salvation. But the seed isn't done, right? That's not it for the seed. It's not it for Joe. There's another moment in the life of that seed. That's the moment when the stem now starts to break through the surface of that soil. And the plant can actually do what the plant was designed to do. We call that moment this, this beginning of entire sanctification for us. And I say... That entire sanctification, remember, happens in an instant, but it's also a process. See, I can say that in June 1997, God saved my soul, but thank the Lord, he didn't stop working on me. I can also say that in a revival service a few years later that I was entirely sanctified, but again, God didn't stop his work. So what's happening? What's happening in this moment of entire sanctification? Why why is it important for us as believers and followers of Jesus? I want you to fill these in. They're going to come real, real fast here, two through four. And hopefully this will help us see the difference of what we're talking about here. Salvation is the moment you are saved from the penalty of sin. Salvation is the moment you are saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification is a moment you're saved from the power of sin. Glorification, remember, which isn't going to happen until we get to heaven. Glorification is a moment that you're saved from the presence of sin. In other words, even though you're saved like Joe, you still feel that pull of sin on your life. It's in the next moment of grace that sin no longer has a hold on you. The sanctified believer has been freed from the pull of sin. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important in, in the life of a believer that in our denomination, we have a, it has its own article of faith and And the document that says this is what the Church of Nazarene believes in, it gets its own whole article, its own whole page. And so if you want to follow along, I'm going to read part of this, but I'm going to stop from time to time as we work through it. This is what our article of faith says about sanctification. We believe that entire sanctification is that act of God. Notice it's not my act. It's not your act, it's something that God does on you, God does for you. It's a result of his grace. Sanctification is never about what we do for God, it's what God's spirit has done for us. It goes on and says, subsequent to regeneration, which is just a fancy way to say after our salvation, by which believers are made free from original sin or depravity. And brought into a state of entire devotement to God and the holy obedience of love made perfect. See, the results of God's work in my life is that I am continually being made more into His image. But for that to happen, I have to be released from the bondage of sin and be made devoted to God. It goes on and says, it is wrought by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, this isn't our work. This is something the Holy Spirit does for us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And comprehends in one experience the cleansing of the heart from sin and the abiding and dwelling presence of the Spirit, empowering the believer for life and service. And so here, two things are happening with our sanctification Go ahead and put this down in your notes if you want to. First, the heart is cleansed from the power of sin. The heart is cleansed from the tendency to be selfish and, and sinful. But secondly, the believer is also filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this this infilling, this complete filling of the Holy Spirit isn't for the benefit of the believer. It's in, so that we can enter into a life of service to our master. So let's finish this article of faith. It says, entire sanctification is provided by the blood of Jesus. It is wrought instantaneously by faith, preceded by entire consecration. And to do this in state of grace the holy spirit bears witness in other words we can only experience this baptism by a second work of grace by our god first we have been forgiven through the blood of jesus by faith if you're a christian you responded to that invitation right of salvation you can be sanctified if We consecrate ourselves entirely. Simply put, while sanctification is God's work, the believer must prepare themselves and seek out this new experience. You have to want it. You have to seek it. And we have to do our part to continually grow in grace that God gives us not just simply expecting God to unload his grace on us we have to want it we have to need it the article goes on to say we believe that there is a marked distinction between a pure heart and a mature character the former is obtained in an instant the result of entire sanctification the latter is a result of our growth in grace and so if you're taking notes, number three is this. We believe that the grace of entire sanctification gives the believer the impulse to grow in grace. I want you to think about that seed who has now sprouted roots and has broken the surface and is starting to grow in grace and the plant's job is to eventually produce fruit. But that if that plant's ever removed from the sunlight, if if we stop watering it, it's going to stop growing, right? If we don't water the plant, it's going to wither away. And in the same, we must ensure that we have to continue to grow in grace that God has given us by nurturing that that grace, by participating in spiritual disciplines like reading our Bible and, and praying and having accountability with fellow believers and and devotions and attending church. And maybe you're you're seated here today and you're thinking, well, pastor, what difference does this make? If I'm saved, I'm saved. What, What difference does this make? Well, here's the difference. Nobody wants to be less than you're supposed to be. See, God has placed in us a longing to fulfill what we've been made to do. We desire to be made into what God has created us for. It's not about what God is saving you from, the power of the pull of sin. It's also about what he's saving you for. He's sanctifying you for something even greater. See, the best version of you, the best version of you is holy. Holy. The best version of you is filled with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who has full and free access to all of you. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is held back, completely consecrated, completely given over to God. See, the best version, version of you cares more about what God wants to do through you than what we ever think we need to accomplish on our own. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the Holy Spirit wants nothing less than the best version of you. And this is where God does His best work in and through you, His chosen vessel. See, the good news is today you can be set free from the power of sin in your life. You're not going to stop being human, and you probably won't stop making mistakes. But you can, you can be cleansed from sin and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that process, the best version of you emerges. How does it happen? What happens by faith in responding to God, seeking his full presence today? It happens by praying for his feeling, by continually praying for him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, you have to do what you have to do. Do all you can. Trust God to do all that he can do. Let's bow our heads. I'm just gonna give a, a simple invitation today. You don't have to be... That Joe, who is struggling, who still feels that there's got to be something more. Even though I'm saved, even though I know that God loves me, even though I know that I could go to heaven when I die, but there's got to be something else. There is. There is something else. See, God has allowed, or God has made his Holy Spirit in a way that can free his creation from the pull of sin. When we give ourselves completely over to Jesus, the Holy Spirit can invade every nook and cranny. The Holy Spirit can take over in a way that we've never experienced before. And so the simple invitation today is, Yes, in front of God and everybody here in this sanctuary today. If you need to experience that infilling of our Holy Spirit, if you need to just stop that pull of sin on your life, if you need to realize the best version of you that could ever be created that only happens when the Holy Spirit has all of you, And so if you haven't given the Holy Spirit everything, yes, even that part of your life you want to keep hidden. If you haven't given the Holy Spirit every single part of you, then the simple invitation today is just to stand up where you are, come down to one of these altars. I'll pray with you. One of our other pastors will pray with you. Somebody here in the congregation can pray with you if you'd like it. This is your next step. This is what has been designed for you. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Remember last week when we said that when we ignore what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, it becomes easier and easier next time? Don't let that happen today. If the Holy Spirit is nudging you, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart today, and saying, well, you need to give up everything. Yes, I'm asking you to do it in front of everybody. Yes, I'm asking you to come forward, but take that step of faith that God will meet you when you come here and do what he has been designed to do. So if that's you, could you would you be brave enough to stand up where you are and make your way to the front? Don't leave here today. Don't leave here today with something not given over to the Holy Spirit. Don't leave here today with something hidden because I guarantee you, next time it's going to be a whole lot easier to say no. Respond to the Holy Spirit today. He's here, He will meet you. He will meet you today. This is your next step. I know that there's somebody in our congregation right now, maybe a few people. I know that there's people here today. I just don't want to get up and I just don't want to walk forward if that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Do it. right where you're at. Go ahead, stand up, move to the side. Maybe somebody is with you and you think need somebody to go with me. I can't do this by myself. It's okay. Just grab a hold of them. Ask him to come with you. Don't walk away today with something hidden from the Holy Spirit. God's working. God's working. This is your next step. This is what you've been designed to do. We have a few people up front. If we could have a a pastor or two or somebody come and pray with the people up front. If uh, if you're still here in the Holy Spirit, if you still have the Holy Spirit nudging on you, even while we're praying, there's still time. There's still time to come forward today. This is what you were made for. This is God's design in your life. Heads and pray today, our Father. There is not one single person in this room that wants less than the best version of us that could possibly be, Lord. We we put so much time and energy into our lives and in helping our lives and in uh, investing in our own lives that, Lord the best thing that could possibly be done for us in this moment is just to come and say I can't do this on my own I can't I've struggled and I need you Holy Spirit to fill me completely today I give you everything of me there is nothing held back Lord For I know when I completely allow myself to be consecrated over to you and your Holy Spirit invades me and your Holy Spirit fills me to the the brim. Then, Lord, then that, that pull of sin in my life can be left behind. I don't have to walk out of this sanctuary feeling sin pulling me back to the former life. I don't have to. I don't have to give in to sin every day. Folks, whoever may have been tell, telling you that you can't do anything about it, that in every day you're going to be sinning in, in word, action, or deed, you have been lied to because the Holy Spirit is beyond that. And our God is good, and He would never tell you, be holy because I am holy, if that were not possible for you. So Lord, here we are. We give you everything, Lord, to do what you want to do with our lives. Lord, let us not walk out this sanctuary the same way that we walked in. We can't do that Help us, Lord, to empty ourselves of ourselves so that you can have us. Thank you, Lord, that you are such a wonderful and incredible God that you give us this gift. Lord, our day will come. Our day will come when we will receive a brand new body, completely glorified, but until that day comes, we have another step to make and to grow in your grace. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing something here today that would not have happened if we had not responded to you. If we had not taken this step of faith and received this grace. Lord, we love you.
1: We want nothing
0: more than all of you that is possible for us. Lord, thank you for everybody that has responded today. Thank you, Lord, for those who have come and and helped them pray today. Thank you, Lord, for what you have in store for us this week as Holy Spirit-filled people walk out of this church into a hurting world that needs you Let us be Jesus. Let us bring the Holy Spirit and his grace to them. Use us, Jesus. We will glorify you. We will praise your name. We will honor you today. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of us say together, amen. We're going to allow those that are here today just to to spend some time and If you, uh, we want you to have an incredible weekend. Remember, come back tonight. The sanctuary will be open from 6 to 8 if you'd like to pray. I love you. Have an incredible weekend.